Hello, homies. On today's episode of Homegrown Horror, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about a survival story. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Olympics. We're going to talk about how our weeks went. And we're going to debate on lobster rolls. All this and more on Homegrown Horror. Okay, so we're about a mile away from the summit, and it's going to take about another hour. Mm. Okay, I think we're going to make it before nightfall. What the fuck is that? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, hey, B. Jackson? Oh my god, it's so good to see you. I didn't know if you were a bear or something. So I was using my big growly voice to scare you off. Well, why do you look like that? Why do I look like what? Oh, I've been out here for like uh, three weeks at this point. I've been stuck in these Wait. woods for three weeks. Emily told us you were on a work trip. She has it. She still thinks I'm on a work trip? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I was like. I was I was barely away for a trip. I like came back and then I went hiking. She st and I saw her in between that, but she just said, "Okay, well, I'm gonna have to talk to her when I get home." Um. Well, actually, her and Allegra are just a little bit ways down the trail. I was just coming to scout ahead. Um. Do you have food? Do you want some water? Yeah. I hold love on. Some I, water. I here have some raisins. Thank you. I can only drink so much squirrel blood out here. That's all I've had access to. I'm feeling it. Let's do it. Moose crossings, red hot dogs, missing persons in salty bugs. Up to camp with Stephen King. River curses, Wesley sings. Homegrown horror. Hello. Oh, our hands touched there. Welcome to Homegrown Horror, the podcast that now has cooties. <laughs> It was just unexpected. I just felt a small, warm, floppy hand hit mine as I was oh, gesticulating. Oh, good to know that my hand is floppy. <laughs> All hands are a little floppy. I am B, a co-host. I'm Jackson, a co-host. This is the podcast about main spooky things, murders, true crime, and today, survival. Yeah, we're doing something a little bit different today. Cool story. Yeah, you. I... I don't really know anything about what we're going to be talking about. I didn't really know anything about it until I started researching it. Yeah, you did a hell of a lot of research. You read a book about I it. Read a, I read the book this time, guys. Yeah, read the book this time. You read the book last time. No, I didn't. Well, audiobook, you're not counting it. Wait, for what? I... Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah, there. I read Pet Cemetery. Yeah. No, I thought you were talking about the Constance Fisher one. Oh, I mean. I did not read that book. No, no. <laughs> a little too much on that one, I think. But, yeah. yeah. Um,. I'm excited though, man. But before we get into it, today we're drinking. Yeah. Um, well, Jackson has rum and orange juice, and I have orange juice and Moscato in mm -hmm. some fancy vintage Lord of the Rings goblets. Hell yeah, they're the glass goblets from Burger King from December two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, two thousand one. Limited edition uh, Fellowship of the Ring special goblets here. Yeah, my grandmother bought them for me. <laughs> um, I have all four of them. So I have Gandalf. I am licking all over Vigo Mortensen's face right now. <laughs> I, got I got Aragorn. 
That's a hunk of a man. <laughs> yeah, I gave him to you on purpose. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Allegra I, is going to be drinking out of Frodo today, and Emily's going to be drinking out of Arwen. <laughs> I roughly have the same facial hair he has going on in this Your goblet. facial hair is fucking weird. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm trying something out. Don't think it's working. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, other... Well, I have some actual things that happened this week. Uh, my sister turned 22. Woo! So I went and I went to her birthday party yesterday and I got to say happy birthday in person because I didn't get to see her last year for her 21st because my sister was born in 2000. Yeah. So you always know what age she is because <laughs> she ages with the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's very lucky. And then also I started playing uh, Danganronpa. Yeah, which you're pretty into right now. Yeah. Oh, yes. So Don- for those of you who are uninitiated, Danganronpa is a whodunit visual novel that takes a bunch of kids and put traps them in a school and the only way that they can get out is to well because they can just live out the rest of their lives in the school just oh no peacefully or they can murder one of their classmates which will allow them to graduate quote unquote however if you kill someone you also they also have to do an investigation and a trial so if you're caught you're executed. But if they guess wrong as to who the murderer is, everyone except for the murderer gets executed. <laughs> <laughs> and surprisingly, this is a very funny game. That but is, it came out That is awesome. I think it came out in 2010. The Rampa fandom is fucking crazy. I bet it is. It's bonkers, but <laughs> a lot of teenagers. Lot of <laughs> Are you familiar with um Homestuck? Mm, okay that's enough uh, that for people who know homestuck it's on that level where people are crazy and they're what are called kins where they're like i am actually this character <laughs> i don't understand that they're actually this character yeah um, they're like okay. i am this character trapped in this body oh okay i see what you mean okay, yeah gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> a little weird um but i decided to give it a go after i watched a three hour long analysis video. Oh yeah. Just on a whim. <laughs> I watched a three hour video on a whim. Very Gemini thing to do. <laughs> this game is also perfect Gemini because literally like the trial portions are you have all, all the evidence you've collected and you literally just get to be like, mm, you're wrong. Objection. <laughs> like it's pretty much just like the entire game. You're just telling people that they're wrong. I and love I'm that. Like, That's fun. Perfect. Yeah, it's this really, really fun. tickles your brain. <laughs> it tickles it, and it's also it's very stylized. It's I did, fun. Yeah, that was something I, like I knew about Dangarampa was that it was super kind of gimmicky in its own ways, but like yes. over the top with all of its animations. Yeah, because it's it's interesting too because it's in like three D, like it's in a three D setting, but all the characters are two D. Oh, cool. That's really fun. <laughs> it's so fun. Like, so yeah, so when you like turn the camera, they're literally flat. They're, they're like turning with the screen, yeah. No, they're literally flat. Oh, they're literally flat. So they look like just, a like... cardboard cutout on the screen. It's gotcha. fascinating. That is pretty funny. But there are like five games and an anime and a bunch of novels. So <laughs> I've done this to myself. I love it, dude. So uh, besides your facial hair, what's new with you? <laughs> Um, I mean, game-wise, I'm I'm still playing uh, Pokemon Legends of Arceus. Apparently, uh, it's Arceus. Arceus, really? Oh wow! I hate it, but yeah, I guess. I don't I don't agree. Legends of Arceus. This is how I'm saying it. You okay. Know, can't tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I've also been playing Mass Effect. They have Mass Effect Legendary Edition right now on, okay. on the Game Pass. And I've never played the first one, and I haven't done like DLCs of any of the games, but I love the second one. It's my favorite. So anyway, I'm like breezing through the first one right now. Not really. I'm doing all the side quests, but I'm doing it in a very casual manner. Yeah. In the game, you're mostly meant to like duck, but I just amped my shotgun for my uh, shepherd. And uh, I'm just blasting people in the face There's as much somebody... as possible. What's going on? Oh, I thought I thought somebody was like I think it's somebody with a dock, but it looked like somebody was like toting a wooden um, wagon. <laughs> oh, how big of a wagon? Well, I think it's like the dog was. It, it's a bigger. It looked like it was. Now I think it's a dog. It was kind of big, so it looked like a kind of lengthy wagon. I do, I saw <laughs> a man with a dog, and that's all I saw out there. <laughs> I'm a little obscured. Continue. <laughs> no, Mass Effect, it's a fun game. Um, it's great because it's an intro. It, it looks a lot better now that it's, uh, I'm playing on the Legendary Edition because they do a graphics overhaul on it. And it's yeah. much better looking, I think. Uh, but it's still just as janky about like combat and also dialogue is good for the time but still hilariously stilted yeah, <laughs> yeah like there are a for, lot of things that you have to be like for the time yeah for the period when mass effect came out that was like the leader in dialogue choice rpg kind of projects mm-hmm. um and it was revolutionary for its time but it was uh it's a lot of fun and i'm cruising through it there's one point where you get to basically one of your crew members gets sent to their death and for those that care, you know, between Ashley and Caden, I got rid of Caden because I don't care about him. I never talked to him throughout the whole game. Ash- I'm Ashley all the way. Well, shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're just like, fuck you, dude. You're the sacrifice. You're the red shirt today. I am the red. Yeah, he is the red shirt today. Um, something I also wanted to say, I went to the gas station. You know they have those ads on the fucking gas stations? Yes. Okay. I noticed two fucking weird ass commercials that keep coming up by the gas station, a man. One is where someone is filling the top rack of their dishwasher with dirty potatoes and rinsing them in the dishwasher. What? Yeah. <laughs> like I I see that and I'm like, what am I looking at right now? And it's like this what is What are you looking this at? This is right an, now? I don't know, it's an ad for lazy people, I think. That was it. And Wait, then, that, like what was it for? It was for a dishwasher. Say, oh, you can rinse potatoes in here. They said they had a rinse setting. It was dumb. Speaking of, how hard is it to rinse a potato? Whirlpool has a Encanto ad. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Why? (laughs) Because Encanto is popular with the kids these days, and they'll make their children, they make their parents buy a Whirlpool. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it was like, who are they targeting with that? Are they targeting the children? (laughs) Children need Whirlpools. Absolutely. (laughs) The other ad that I saw. It was more like fucked up, but it was a missing notice for a girl that went missing in 2019 in New Hampshire. And the music they have playing over it is Runaway Train. (laughs) Runaway Train, never coming back. Okay, stop before we get copyrighted. Yeah, yeah. What? Seriously. What a Ooh, poor selection that. that had to go through so many channels to be allowed to go up there. Just do Runaway by Real McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> if we're doing this, let's we're, do let's it. Let's go all in, man. But I thought it was so fucked up. I was like, oh my God, that's like, really? This is the song up. you picked, man? 
Uh, anyway, so yeah, that was my week. That was the most notable thing from it. The other thing that happened this week that I need to... It's not necessarily Corrections Corner, but cue the Corrections Corner music. Editing Brittany here. I actually have an additional Corrections Corner. I call her Karina Vileva. Her name is Camila Vileva. So I'm sorry about that. And back to past Brittany's Correction Corner. Um, so I think last week we talked a little bit about figure skating because I was like, I love figure skating. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I had mentioned 15 year old, um, what's her name? Karina Valeva and it's from Russia. And this week it came out that she failed her drug test for a banned heart medication that (laughs) is used to help like help help athletes reach their peak by cert, like helping to circulate blood flow mm-hmm. and increasing um your endurance so <laughs> that happened and it kind of put a lot of things into context for me again this is all alleged but i think i had mentioned that she like collapsed to her knees and was like crying yeah yeah and was really emotional and i realized that if this is true I personally, like, obviously the adults would be doing this because I don't think a 15-year-old would just do that on her own. I don't think she would have access to that medication. Mm-hmm. And I realized how much pressure she has been been put under. And also, that's also on top of what people have been de- deeming her training regimen as, like, draconian. Oh, yeah, yeah. And punishing. Long story short, it made me look into why they're called the ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee, it's because Russia was banned from the Olympic Games in 2014. (laughs) Yeah, they were. (laughs) But then the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, was like, but you can compete under the Russian Olympic Committee, you just can't compete as Russia. So it's all the same people involved. Yeah. Just a different name. And I told Allegra, I was like, look, it's like if if I say that Allegra Shortle can't cheat on me, but a legend Shirkle can. <laughs> like, just change your name up a little bit. We're good. Totally fine. And the reason why Russia was banned was because they had a statewide doping regime for all of their athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they proceeded to um, falsify the drug tests. Part of their, part of their ring... Um to handle the tests was pretty fucking nuts. They had got a guy on the inside who was posing as like a sewer engineer, I think. (laughs) But they had drilled a small hole in the wall and were using that to bring in clean samples and remove the dirty samples so so that they could pass all the tests. But yeah, they got caught. And, um, yeah, of course. (laughs) Again, at the moment, this is all alleged. And apparently this was a failed drug test from one of the prior competitions, not before the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But hypothetically, if she was doping then, she's probably still doping now. Because why would you stop if you're in the Olympics? Um, but apparently a Russian newspaper, um, reported on this. And February 13th, which is today, the day of recording, they are um, going to be, they have issued a procedural direction to the parties, including the holding of a video conference hearing because the women's 
single competition begins on the 15th. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to determine if Valeva will be allowed to compete or she'll be disqualified. And at this point, it's either like one of two things will happen because she's under the age of 16. So she's a protected person in terms of um, the anti-doping league. They are like, she's a protected person. So one of two things will happen. She'll be disqualified or she'll just get a slap on the wrist and they'll be like, don't do that again. I'd imagine that's probably going to be the slap on the wrist. Yeah. Unless Russia steps forward and is like, yeah, we did it. In which case, because also keep in mind that Russia also got first place in the team event. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that also puts things in a very precarious spot. I just wanted to say that because we talked a lot about the Olympics last week. I just wanted to bring that to everyone's attention that this is an ongoing thing. Again, yeah, the day we released <laughs> the episode, I think all this it, shit. The came day out. that we released the episode <laughs> is when all of this came out. So, and it's also really sad, not only for I mentioned like she's fifteen. She's really young. The damage they're doing to her body, the damage that they're doing to her psyche with all of this. But also, I feel really bad for the people competing against her because even Karen Chen, who's on the American team, she was literally like, she's so amazing. She's doing things that I couldn't even dream of doing. She's just so amazing. And they're Mm -hmm. like, people are comparing themselves to a potentially doped athlete. It's it's not a... Yeah, no. It's really unfair to all those other people that are putting in the effort. It's also, yeah, incredibly unfair to uh, her in general. What was her name again? Sorry. Uh, Karina Valeva. Okay. It's unfair to Karina, too, because, yeah, I mean, I hope she just gets a slap on the wrist because, like, she's 15. She's being influenced by everybody else around her. But Russia needs... The, the ROC needs to step up, but they're not going to. No, why would they? They've been... They cheat all the time. It's, yeah, so... <laughs> It's expected. Yeah, it really sucks. A lot of people are, like, there are a couple people who are part of different Olympic committees in different countries that are specifically, there's one one of the women who is part of the committee here in America Mm. was like, if we're going to say that we uphold, like, we uphold these values, these are our values, like, we need to act on them. Yeah. (laughs) If we're going to say we don't allow doping, we need fair, what, like, hello. (laughs) Hi, hello. You're making, kind of making them, like, why would anybody trust the integrity of the Olympics? I would love to know more about the history of doping and um, when the Olympics IOC took a harder stance against doping. Because I would imagine that there was probably a period of time when no one gave a shit about doping. And I would love to understand what period that was. Or it's just kind of like, do whatever. Baseball's notorious for like its early history of basically every major league player is on something oh really yeah sometimes it's illegal drugs or like it might be steroids it might be something else but it wasn't something that was really heavily monitored in early history yeah like you know the famous like doc ellis um yeah and his no hitter on acid yeah Oh, he was on acid? Uh, he was on acid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what makes it so weird. It was just like he was also on acid when he did this no-hitter. Would that be considered doping? Because it's not... It's not necessarily performance enhancing, but I guess it helped him. Well, because that's also interesting because normally when you think of doping, you think of steroids. But in this instance, it's heart medication. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And then that's also funny, though, because it's like 
you say, uh, that's not really performance enhancing. Also, like, all players were just on uh, Benzedrine. <laughs> oh, God. For some fucking reason. <laughs> For some reason. Mm. Well, yep, that's my little corrections corner. And I'm going to just do a very shitty segue into today's topic. We can We can make something else. Okay, <clears throat> will we just talk about benzies and uh, benzos and baseball players you know this guy really could have used some performance enhancing drugs when he got lost <laughs> there you go okay that so, was perfect I give today that a, that's a three that's a three a three out of five ten oh, okay all right i'll take it so today i'm talking about don fendler and uh, i mentioned that there is a book about this i'm going to get into that a little bit later for those of you who aren't familiar with this story just to make it flow a little better but don charles fendler he was born august 29th in 1926 in rye new york he was one of two twin brothers he was an ordinary child with ordinary parents and he was a boy scout you know all around all american boy in 1939 when don was 12 years old his father and his brothers took a trip to Maine, and their plan was to hike to Baxter Peak on Mount Katahdin, who oh. is one of our uh, Mainism alumni. <laughs> if you listen to that episode, the t- uh, Mount Katahdin has the tallest peak in the state of Maine, which is Baxter Peak, which is where they're headed. Mm-hmm. It is 5,269 feet above sea level. And this is in 1939, so... I'm kind of curious if, like, it was well-traveled at I'm this point. I'm about to tell you. Oh, at this okay. time, because it is the northern terminus of the Appalachian Trail, yes. which Jackson has told us. Yes. It had only, but the Appalachian Trail had only been established for around two years at this point. Mm. It was not as well-traveled so as it is today. It's in its early, early days, but that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. A friend of the Fendlers was their local guide, and he was going to lead them. So that way, they were doing something new. They'd never been here. They happened to have a friend who knew the mountain very well. His name was Henry Condon. He was 17 years old, and he was the son of a trail guide. On July 17th, the group was making their way to Baxter Peak, and Don and Henry had kind of separated from the rest of the group. They had a pretty decent lead on everyone else they were just short of making it to the summit and it was very cold and very cloudy even for a july day Hmm. to the point where they could not see very far in front of them like if you went like even they had said i think they said like even like 10 yards you couldn't see oh wow you're kind of socked in Just before they made it, Henry decided it would be best to turn around and go down the mountain. It wasn't worth trying to make it up to the peak. Mm -hmm. It was getting much colder, and also it appeared that it was probably going to storm. The clouds were very threatening looking. He and Don, as they were sort of making plans to turn back around, they spotted a man who was making his way down the mountain. And Henry said, let's wait for the man to get to us so that way he can come down with us it's safer if we all go together right don was very impatient (laughs) and didn't (laughs) want to wait and so he made the fateful decision to head back on his own once the mist closed around don as he separated from henry oh he disappeared oh fuck don why no 
The man that Henry was waiting for was Reverend Charles Austin, who was another local. They knew each other. And it took him about 10 minutes to get. After Don had left, it took um, Mr. Austin about 10 minutes to get to Henry. Oh, okay. I think hmm. he was, because coming down, he there was lots of rocks. So they could and, see that he was... Yeah. So he was slowly okay. making his way. And so they meet, and the two men begin their way down, and they meet with the Fenlers, who are actually about a mile down the mountain. Mm, okay. So that's how far Don was supposed to have traveled on his own. Right. So there's a lot of space unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. There is Thoreau Spring, which is near a plateau. So it's Thoreau Spring, a plateau, and then you head further up to Baxter Peak. Okay. And so the Fendlers were not far from the plateau. They had just cleaned up in the spring and took some time and rested there. And when they meet, the two groups realize that Don's not here. (laughs) It's like, oh, I thought he was with you, but he was definitely with you. That awkward moment of, uh, ah, so where's Don? Yep, they, they realize that something has probably happened to him. They assume that he missed the trail. like mm-hmm. he, Because at this point in time, the trails are only marked with white arrows on the trees. They're like, it's like paint, which we still have now, but trails yeah. are, they're more defined. Yes, a lot more heavily trafficked for one. And then um, some like trail uh, services will go out of the road to even like make steps along the trail mm-hmm. and yeah do a lot better clear cutting yep nope this is literally just an arrow just painted an arrow. on yeah. the trees as they're going that's awful especially when it gets so dark because like a white arrow if you're like pitch black it's kind of almost impossible to find those mm-hmm. so they split up and they spend about an hour searching they're calling for dawn but the wind is so loud they can't hear anything. That's interesting. When I went, um, I went hiking on Bald Mountain in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. um, and that was something that I realized was like if you get to a certain elevation in New England because it's so hilly, you get above all the hills. It's just straight wind, wind. the entire time. We were on Bald Mountain. I nearly like flew off the mountain. That, was <laughs> that the wind was pretty bad that day specifically. Yeah. But yeah, like I could open up my jacket and start feeling like a little, no. little bit of lift. <laughs> fly. That's how you learn to fly. Uh, I was about a uh, 240 pound man that day. So. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so the wind is basically, they can't hear anything. The wind is carrying their voices. So they're mm-hmm. like, we don't even know if Dawn can hear us. And then night falls. That's how close to nightfall they were. It was like they literally searched for an hour and then it got dark. Well, you've been in the woods when it like gets dark too. It's it's instantaneous. Yes. It'll be like five o'clock and then in five minutes the entire forest is black. It's dark. <laughs> it's completely dark. Yeah. So they realize that right now with just them, their efforts are completely useless. They need more searchers. So Mr. Austin says, I'm going to stay on the plateau in case Dom manages to Don manages to find his way back here. Mm-hmm. And then the Fendlers and Henry start their way down. Henry run, starts to run down because he knows the mountain very well. So he's like, I'm going to run ahead, get to base camp, and then you got, you, uh, Mr. Fendler and his sons can slowly make their way back down. Okay. With, so that way they're not putting themselves in danger. 
because also this is something they're not used to, so they were completely wiped out. It really sucks that okay, so Henry had more experience with this mm-hmm. whole experience, uh, yes, this whole journey, which is why I probably wanted to do it with Don in the first place. Yes, but yeah, that's such a bummer. So Henry makes it back to the the base camp around 7 30 p.m rangers were alerted and a search party is organized there were six men which included rangers and then also some other hikers who had already completed their hike for the day so they had been resting yeah but not super ideal keep in mind it's also very dark and it had started to sleet Oh, shit. (laughs) It was difficult even for these seasoned hikers to make their way back to the plateau because something that I did not realize is this, even though this is like the quote unquote easier route that they were on, it had those, the rungs that's, that are in the rocks. So it's not just walking. You have to climb. Oh, there's climbing involved? Yeah. That's awesome. um, Climbing in sleet. Yeah. In the middle of the night. <laughs> it's a bit much, yeah. Yeah, so they make it there just before 10.30. So they hauled ass. Because wow. normally it takes about two and a half hours. They got there in just under two hours. Mm-hmm. So even with the sleet and trying to be careful, they were hauling ass because a 12-year-old boy is missing. <laughs> Again, the wind makes it extremely difficult for them to hear as they're looking around there's no sight or sound of dawn he is not found that night oh man what had occurred was dawn had wandered off the path hunt trail which again is marked by the arrows he was unable to see and he found himself like he had tried to like call out to his dad because he thinks that he's just going straight down (laughs) he's like dad where are you? But again, he can't hear because of the wind. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh no. It's really funny because like, how do I say that? I'm just going to spoil it. So he survives. This is a survival story. Well, but I mean, yeah, I knew he survived. Yeah, you said yes. the survival. The survival. Yeah, he survives. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But uh, when he retells it, um, when he's younger, he says, Christmas. <laughs> and he so, says like Christmas. that's his little swears Christmas. <laughs> he is a little nineteen thirty nine boy uh-huh. that makes he's uh, like, that oh, tracks. Christmas. Oh, it was so Christmas. cold. <laughs> I was like, you're kind of cute. <laughs> Against his better judgment, he continued on through the rough terrain. He's trying to find a clear path, and he actually falls through a tangle of pucker bush, which is a type of evergreen. Oh, really? And he almost tumbles into a deep hole. (laughs) He catches himself on the bush, and he's actually able to pull himself out. It doesn't snap. He pulls himself out. He waits a moment to recover. And then he just starts to run. For no reason. Just... He's just... He said, I must have lost... He's in panic mode. He recalls, I must have lost my head for a while. Don had decided he stops after he's made it a certain way. And he's like, I need to get my head back on straight. And he starts thinking about what he learned as a Boy Scout and decides to make a plan. The wind was freezing and he decided that moving was his best option to remain warm. He could have stayed still, but it was really cold. He needed to keep moving. Yeah. 
it may have increased, you know, staying where he was, it could have increased his chances of getting found, but he had a higher chance of succumbing to the elements before help could arrive. Because again, right. it's sleeting, it's freezing. At this point, he also mentions that he does have a fleece-lined reefer, is what he called it. I think it's just a jacket. He has one of those jazz cigarettes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, this 12-year-old has a jazz cigarette out on the trail. But eventually, he finds a trail marker, and it's super unfortunate for him because it is it it actually it's a trail sign and not just a marker uh-huh. he had stumbled onto a dangerous area known as saddle trail <laughs> what makes saddle trail I'm so about dangerous to... is this it is that what... the raccoons are armed yes <laughs> this is what this is what don said uh-huh. i had heard about the trail i had heard that it went far off into the woods and was dangerous full of landslides and loose rocks however it was a trail and it was marked often with blue daubs of paint that would lead me somewhere perhaps to some lonely spot miles and miles from camp no i mustn't take it the thing to do is to work off at right angles to it and cut across the main trail so Are these the, quotes from the book yes interesting I have a couple of them because they're just, there are some sections that are just fascinating. Okay. So I, it's really great because we do have, I love it when we have direct quotes from the people that this happens to. It just really is funny. Like when you read that, because I was like, this is one of the most eloquent 12 year olds I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm sure there's a bit of like um, we'll get, fluffing with the, the we'll, book. We'll get there, that. yes. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas! So he's moving through rocks and tangles of pucker bush. The sleet is falling. He finds himself face to face with another trail sign. And it says saddle trail. Nope, it says saddle trail. <laughs> and he realizes that he'd been walking for hours and had gone around in a circle and was back at the same sign that he had seen before. That's awful. Oh, man. He continued to move forward, and the sleet was making the ground slippery, so he decided to spend the night in the shelter of a large tree. His plan was to rest and to wait the storm out, and was hopefully he could traverse the mountain a bit better once the wind and sleet had died down. What Don didn't know is that this would be the first of nine days he would spend on Mount Katahdin. Oh, no. <laughs> it keeps going. Yep. Oh, so I, this, this is the most interesting thing. Like, the book is interesting, but this is, like, fucking weird. And there's no answers to this. But I wanted to include this because what the actual fuck. So Don recalled that the next morning when he woke up, this is, this have this is, This is what happened the next morning. I guess I must have dreamed about Henry the first night, because when I opened my eyes and saw the old stump down by the stream, there there he was too. I could see his head, but his neck and shoulders were hidden by the stump. Boy, was I glad. You may think it was a dream, but it wasn't. My eyes were wide open and I saw everything. I know it wasn't a dream, even though it sounds crazy now. I sat up straight and yelled, Henry, Henry, here I am. Come and get me. Why didn't Henry answer me? I wondered about that. He was so still behind the stump that he had a much, that he had a, and he had a queer look in his eyes. He was scared. And that made me frightened too, because Henry wasn't afraid of anything. 
He wasn't afraid of noises in the woods. He just laughed at bears and things. He, I tried to get up and go to him, but onto my knees. But something had happened to my legs. They weren't legs at all. They were boards and my knees had iron hinges in them. So I just stayed there, leaning on my hands and looking at Henry. Watching Henry was enough to scare the daylights out of a fellow. His eyes seemed to be popping out of his head. They never winked. They just stared downstream. I had to do something. Henry, I screamed. Here I am. Don't you see me? Come get me. I can't walk. I can't get up. And when Henry didn't even look at me, I turned half around and saw why. Christmas! No wonder Henry was scared. Over there near the stream in a clear place were four white figures. They were men, and big men too. Each had a long white robe that went right down to the ground, and they all had white hoods over their heads, with the peaks pulled out in front so I couldn't see their eyes. They had eyes though, I know that, because something seemed to blaze under the hoods, like eyes of cats at night when headlights pick up on, pick up on them in the road. Each one of the men had a long arm struck out towards Henry. The arms were partly covered by white sleeves, but they were partly bare too, and skinny. I knew then what was happening. Those men weren't going to let Henry help me. They were hypnotizing him, just like the fellow I read about once in a book. Henry, I screamed. Don't let them look at me. I'm here near a tree. I began to cry because Henry wouldn't answer me. Just then a man on a black horse rode out of the thicket on the other side of the brook. He was smiling and I thought he was going to rescue Henry, but he rode right along and disappeared. Right after he came, right after him came a black automobile. And then I knew what happened. Boy, was I happy. Dad had come for me. I was so glad that I cried. I held onto the tree and pulled myself up to my feet. And Dad answered me, Don, Don, he shouted. I'm here, Dad, I yelled back. I got to my legs, going and started towards the brook. I ran, I went right by Henry, which must have frightened the four men because they disappeared like smoke. I was pretty wise too, because I remember fishing out my dungarees and sneakers from the old tree and taking them with me. I ran towards Dad. I waded into the water. Boy, was it cold. It made me shiver all over. I stumbled on a slippery rock and went down on my hands, and the water splashed in my face. It felt good because my face was so hot with black fly bites. I got onto my feet, scrambled up the bank. Nobody was there. Henry was gone. Only the old, old stump stayed where it was. The automobile was gone. I thought I yelled until I was hoarse, but nobody answered me. Dad was gone too. I just sat on the ground and cried. B is available uh, for all audiobook recording needs on Fiverr.com. Not true, but I should. <laughs> um, that was good. Um, no, no, kid, you were dreaming. Yeah, it's really <laughs> interesting that he is like, this is not a dream. This is totally a dream. This is not a dream. <laughs> to it a 12-year-old, is... you know, things a dream might seem realistic. Mm-hmm. My question is, it's really interesting because he hasn't really been out here this long, and I think that this is really the most... Uh, hallucinogenic he gets yeah that's insanely like you mentioned all the black fly bites i was like did something else bite you like that's super possible i don't know but it's because also at this point he hasn't even tried eating anything so we can't even say that it might be just a mixture of like hypothermia panic panic lack of food you know and it's so highly detailed I know, it's insanely detailed. Because oh, he, yeah. through the book, he mentions, and I dreamed about this, and I dreamed about this, but, like, this section is so vivid. 
it's that's why I wanted to include it. I know it was a bit lengthy, but it's fucking fascinating. It is pretty cool. Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, that's a nice little peek into this kid's psyche. I think. Yeah, what's what's going on through in his mind? We're <laughs> this is day two. <laughs> it's not gonna go well. Still eloquent as hell. Yeah, he's very panicked. Yeah, the so he wakes up. Day two, the rain has ceased. Overnight, he was swarmed by black flies and mosquitoes. And he also realized realized his feet were completely numb. And he was not able to feel any sensation when he pinched his toes. He was walking too much? Or this is when he woke up? It's freezing. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he he possibly... I don't know if you can get frostbite in July, but it's it's cold. Mm -hmm. It's really cold. Luckily, he finds a stream and he realizes that when you're lost, and this is actually excellent advice. If you get lost <laughs> and you find a stream, if you follow it, you're more likely to find civilization. Yeah, because, I mean, it's your, you're just following gravity at that point. And mm. naturally, people just settle up near rivers. Exactly. So he decides, I'm going to use the stream as a guide. He attempted to secure some food because... He's like, there's, he sees some fish. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to try and fish. He's unsuccessful, but he happens to find a patch of strawberries, and that's what he eats. He kind of says, like, it's kind of a good thing I didn't get the trout, because how was I going to cook it? I'm not going to eat raw trout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you're really hungry. But nightfall comes again. It brings more rain. He finds a hollowed-out tree, and he falls asleep. He continues on like this for a couple days, hoping to reach a camp or to find help. He notes that he prayed for three things, that his parents wouldn't worry about him, for food, and that he would be that he would be found. After this, Don does cite that his faith got him through a lot of this. Hmm. So he prays every day. Mm-hmm. He survives only on berries, and on the fifth day, he finds a small dilapidated cabin. And it's... Don't go in there. I just, <laughs> just saw the ritual. We know what's in there. He... Right? We did just see the ritual. Also, there's a book based on... There's a book of, of the ritual. Oh, I want to like, read it's it. A, it's a, it was a novel first, just oh, as a heads awesome. up. If you want more reading. If you liked if you liked the ritual, you'll love Lost on a Mountain in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. So... The, it's like on the outside he can tell like it's really old the bark is peeling off the logs and it looks like it hasn't been touched in a while but the door is latched but it's not locked there's no sign of people he mentions like i didn't smell bacon and normally there's a smell of bacon (laughs) around camps (laughs) not here He's hoping that maybe Christmas he can find something bacon. else. And he says, still there was a house and a fellow might find something to eat on a shelf. Something that had been forgotten. A can of beans, maybe. Or maybe evaporated milk. Boy, wouldn't that be good. A <laughs> can of beans. Oh, boy. I do hope for a can of beans. I want it. <laughs> considering um, somebody else that we know ate a bunch of beans when he went camping. Oh. I had, I felt like someone was stabbing me for two days after eating <laughs> so those it's, beans. Um, luckily, or maybe unluckily, he does not find a can of beans. He finds cans of coffee and some salt. 
But thank you, Lord. <laughs> but he picks up a safety pin and he fastens it into a fish hook and a musty blanket. Yeah, he says that the smell of the blanket literally almost makes him throw up. It smells awful. He attempts to start a fire and he can't do it. So he decides to keep moving because it's still kind of early in the day. He decides to keep moving and just finds shelter again outside. It's like, fuck this house. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. He continues to travel along the river and he spots a telephone wire nailed along the trees. Civilization. He decides to follow it because he's like, again, gonna go civilization. For more than a day, he follows the wire and it deviates from the stream. So he chooses to follow the wire. It brings him to a tote road, which again, was swarming with black flies. (laughs) So easier terrain, but there are black flies. And he continues on. He's bitten to hell and back. And it gets worse because as he's on the tote road, there's nothing for him to drink. At least when he's by the stream, he's able to drink the fresh water. He notes that on this tote road, there are some small pools of, like, water. But they're completely unfit to drink. Like, you can tell they're disgusting looking. Because of this, he then makes the decision to return to the stream. Because he also knew he was, think- you know, he weighed his options in terms of nothing's going to stop the stream. The stream's going to keep going. There was just a big windy storm. What if blowdowns occurred and the line goes, the wire, telephone wire is down or trees get in my way and they've fallen over Mm. the road? Yeah. Then what? Mm -hmm. So he decides. Very, very pragmatic. Yeah. Yes. So he decides to go back to the stream, even though the road was a lot easier for him to walk on because the woods have all that, they have the bramble and the rocks. And he's like, you know what? It's, this is better in the long run. This is better for me. Mm-hmm. On the eighth day, another peculiar thing occurred. He's, he wades into the stream because he's just so tired and he wants to sort of just, you know, relax in the water a little bit. Um, and he encountered some ferocious little monsters, bloodsuckers. So oh, the bloodsuckers, yeah. Oh, oh no. we call them bloodsuckers here. Is that a thing, actually? We call them bloodsuckers. You guys made up a word for leeches. Yes. Leeches is easier to say. Like I don't know if they're exactly the same thing, but like. Oh, okay. So like. But yeah, we call them bloodsuckers. They're like, gross. So he's like walking through, and he finds like, he feels like a wiggling sensation. <laughs> he looks down. And he's covered in bloodsuckers. (laughs) It's so gross. It's gross. Um, And he doesn't, like, there's sort of like a gap in his memory here, but it's kind of, like, it's kind of hypothesized because he has them all over him. And then the next minute they're gone. It's hypothesized that he actually fainted. And then the the bloodsuckers just fell off. So when he woke up, they were gone. (laughs) Oh, they're full. They just fell off. Yes, exactly. Aww. So, fucking gross. <laughs> um, as a side note, like, I really had a rough time, like, swimming in ponds and things as a kid because I... Bloodsuckers. <laughs> like, they're really easy. You just plop them off. No. No. Absolutely not. No. The other thing is... So, he also, on his journey, not only the bloodsuckers and the black flies and the mosquitoes, he also came across a lot of deer. At one point, 
um, while he's walking, he sees moose tracks. And he also runs into a bear. But he just kind of like, nothing really happens because the bear's minding his own business. Mm -hmm. Just does it and he's just sort of like, just going to back away. Bear wasn't thinking about boy sandwich at all. No, he wasn't. From this point, from the eighth day on, Don's memories are totally hazy. Not like they weren't already, but he's not as clear on everything else moving forward. Up until this point, a lot of his recollections have been pretty detailed. Now he's in like a delirious point. Mm -hmm. Because at some point he recalls ending up in a swamp, but there are other times where he's like, you know what? I don't even, I don't know if I actually ended up in a swamp. I think I remember it, but I don't really know. At this point, he no longer feels hunger pain. And as he's walking, he feels a little funny and he looks down and the tip of his toe is gone. His toe fell off? Oh my God. The tip of his toe fell off and he kind of panics. He just like wraps it up because it's bleeding. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was, again, I don't know if it's frostbite or if something just sheared it off. And his feet were numb, so he didn't feel it until Mm. he felt the blood on him. Mm. But he has to keep going. Toe or no toe. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, I've I've been walking and, like, get scratched up and I don't notice until I'm like, there's something sticking on my leg. I'm like, I'm bleeding. Yeah, so that's kind of what happened to him is he felt the blood and then was like, But to the whole fucking toe. It says the tip Ah, of his toe. The tip of his toe. But again, like, I don't know. Also, you're 12. How how much of your big toe are you calling your tip? Because you probably have tiny, tiny toes when you're 12. It's just crazy. He's been walking for nine days. Like, mm-hmm. I've done an entire day of hiking, and I was, like, exhausted at the end of it. This yeah. He's doing it for nine days. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. He finds another set of cabins. Um, they're, like, kind of clustered together. He goes through them. There's nothing but bugs. So oh he's, God. like... Peace out. What he doesn't know at the time is that he's actually on a side of the mountain that people don't go on. <laughs> we don't why, go over there. Which is why all of these cabins are abandoned. <laughs> yeah, because there's They like... just don't go on this side anymore. I think because it's a lot... It, it's more rugged. Yeah. So people are sticking to the, the more traveled side mm-hmm. that is closer to... The towns and villages that are at the base of Katahdin. Bad luck for this kid. Oh, yeah. However, he finds his way through the brush and finds a small pond. What we will find out is that he actually is on the Penobscot River. Like, he's just, like, he's somehow crossed onto the other side of the Penobscot River. (laughs) But he sees... That across... I was in a swamp. No, you swam a river. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he sees across the way there is a small dock and a log cabin. Oh, thank goodness. And he's like, what if this is also abandoned? And he's like really anxious about it, but he considers like, at least let's check. He commits, and he starts kind of making his way to the to the building. But before he gets too far, a man actually comes out of the house. And he yells for him. And Don later says that this man is um, Mr. Uh, McMorn. And when he heard Don screaming, he thought he was a screech owl because the noise that came out of Don's mouth was just so particular. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep, or, or peculiar, I mean. Mm. So um, he's like looking around and sees where the sound comes from, sees it's a boy. A boy. Boy. And he runs back into the house, gathers who's there with him, because I think they're fishermen, and they row across the pond to get Dawn after nine long days. Wow. He was saved. Yay. Yay. I was getting nervous because it's sort of like, this kid has to rely on the assistance of a stranger that they're going to encounter. Yeah. So glad that he was a chill dude yeah he was a chill dude yeah in the nine days that don was missing a frantic search continued his disappearance actually made front news across the country so the book stupid boy gets lost on mountain (laughs) uh, in the afterword of the book they detail because the book is mostly his story but at the end they're like so we're gonna tell you kind of what was happening yeah and so a lot of my information about like the, the search on the first day is also in the afterword but this is kind of what happened after they didn't find him that first night. For the Forest Service and all its branches went through the, throughout the Katahdin District were notified. The Great Northern Paper Company, which operates large timber crews throughout the section of uh, this section of Maine, sent about 20 cruisers from their Greenville station, and men were sent from Island Falls as well. These cruisers are expert woodsmen who know this section of Maine from long experience. Chief of Police Alan Picard of neighboring Millinocket and Miss Bernice Buck of the Board of Selectmen of the same town spread news rapidly. Within hours, there were hundreds of people on the mountain. Men even left their jobs at the paper mill in Millinocket to join the hunt for the missing boy. Mm. The Maine State Police had two bloodhounds that were immediately rushed to the plateau, which picked up the scent of the lost boy. The bloodhounds led the search to Saddle Spring, where the trail was lost, which is that's where he ended up when he sees the saddle trail. It was general consensus among the searchers that Don had left the plateau and had fallen down somewhere between the big boulders, which surrounded the plateau on all sides, which is not true. (laughs) He just... I don't know why the bloodhounds didn't pick up his scent after that. The two bloodhounds were not... He probably lost his original scent at some point, right? If he was just like... You might be relying on like, oh, what is he washed with or something like that. That is true. The bloodhounds were not accustomed to the rough terrain and their feet were torn and cut to the extent that they had to be taken back. So that also may have something to do with the fact that they quote unquote lost the scent, that they just couldn't handle the the terrain. The dog's dogs are barking. Yeah. Eventually, the National Guard was allowed to join the search because they had to get permission. So they sent a rush order through to get the National Guard, and they added about 65 men to the organized search party. Four to 500 people searched for Don within within a six-day period, but as time went on, it became clear that they were most likely searching for a body. The worst of it was Don was actually never farther than 10 miles from help at any given time. Wow. The search party just never made an attempt to search below the timber line. I've heard of so many like weird survival stories where it's just like, yeah, no, like the actual person is way off of where everybody's searching. Yeah. Like logically. It's really not that like. They're that lost. (laughs) I mean, 10 miles is really not that far, in my opinion, if you're talking about the, the entire mountain. I suppose not, but they're also probably just thinking of the range of the 12-year-old boy. It, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But Mr. Fendler eventually encourages them to look beyond the timberline, but it took six days to convince them wow. to start looking beyond 
where they thought, a 12-year-old boy could reasonably do this. Right. <laughs> when Don was found, he's reunited with his parents at the Eastern Maine General Hospital in Bangor. Not just a boy. Boy Scout. Boy Scout. <laughs> his father had actually received an injury of his own to his eye during the search. So he was yeah. actually, during the last, like, two days or so, he was confined to a hospital because <laughs> of his injury. Don returned home 16 pounds lighter and had traveled a total of 56 miles in the nine days he was missing. 56 miles. That is roughly 6.2 miles per day. Oh, that's not that bad. If that's all you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like for a 12 year old like that, you got to muster up some courage to walk 6.2 miles for nine days straight. That's true. With minimal food, water. Yeah. Like. To the point where... It, it's intense. He lost intense. 16 pounds in nine days. He's dehydrated. Yeah. Like, he... He... That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. Later that year, he retold his story to Joseph B. Egan, and they published his story, Lost on a Mountain in Maine. So that's the book that I read. Fun fact, it did also inspire Hatchet, which is uh, another survival story about a kid who he's taking, like, a small... It's like a two-person plane to go from like one of his parents house to the other one because they're divorced whatever and the pilot has a heart attack and he they land in the water and he has to survive out in the woods nothing like it but apparently inspired that story (laughs) it's like in horror movies when they're like based on a true story but it's really nothing like the true story (laughs) don was also presented with the army and navy legion of valor's annual medal for the outstanding youth hero of 1939 by fdr Over the course of his life, he becomes a public speaker, and his book became a main children's classic, but fun fact, nobody that I know has read it. Because <laughs> I asked Allegra and Emily, neither of them read it, I didn't read it, neither of my sisters read it, and at my sister's party, I asked Jamie's friends, I was like, Did any, do any of you know this book? And they're like, no. <laughs> so main children's classic, my ass. <laughs> I mean, it probably is, but I think it's really weird none of us have read it. <laughs> but we all read Hatchet. <laughs> All read Hatchet, didn't read this. Yep. I feel like this was more, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm surprised you guys didn't have this. As, I don't know. Any the, I will say, because of how long ago this book was written, there were some things that I was like, oh, this is very of the time. Mm, um, uh, they, yeah. um, they use the name for Native Americans that some football teams are still fighting to use. Oh, okay. Like, straight up. That's a, well, I'm not surprised there, yeah. you know. Um, there's a lot of that. Um, and then the other one that's really interesting is they talk about a Native American god who hates and killed all of the Native Americans in the area. What the fuck? They're like, he hated his own race. He was a god of evil. What? Okay. It's a little weird. Very, very dated. Weird. <laughs> very dated view. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Because I didn't find any information about it ever being, like, banned or, like, anything like that. It could just be it wasn't in our curriculum. But keep in mind, like, Allegra, Emily, and I all went to different elementary schools. Yeah. Yeah. And we just happened to never read it. So, I don't know. I mean, we were we were in, we were in the same district, though. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that's another thing to keep in mind. Maybe other districts. Maybe further near Katahdin. Like, around that area up north would have read it. Mm-hmm. But, so he goes and tours around schools to talk about his experience. In 2011, the book actually was adapted into a graphic novel, and there's currently a movie in the works. 
Don eventually moved to Tennessee, but he would spend his summers here in Maine, and he died on October 9th, October 9th, 2016, in Bangor at the age of 80. 80, okay. So he, yeah. he lived quite a long life. Like, his life could have very easily ended on Katahdin. It could but have, yeah. But he made it through. I have to move this because there are more things that need to be hidden from you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm really impressed by the story. Again, nine days with a kid being by themselves. That's awesome. It's funny to me. Obviously, his Boy Scout training definitely allowed him to survive longer, I think. Absolutely. But it's funny. If he had listened to the basics of his Boy Scout training, he wouldn't have been in this position to begin with. Yeah. Which is, don't separate from your group. Yeah, don't separate from the group. Same as D&D. They share the same rules. (laughs) <laughs> it's the first rule. So it's hard, like a lot of, it seems like from what the book, he, there are a lot of times in the book where he mentions that it's, he's like, people said if I had done this or if I had done this, but I think another thing to consider is that he's 12. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he, he survives and it's miraculous and he uses his training, but of course it's not perfect. He's 12. Oh yeah. And at some point, all your Boy Scout knowledge is hypothetical until you have to use it. No, that's the thing is like, he's probably not thinking of every moment in the Boy Scout mindset, you know? Yeah. So he goes off because he's confident enough that he'll be able to follow the trail. And then he ends up getting lost. And then he starts thinking about survival. And, he, and like you said, then he started coming up with a plan. Yeah. Like how to keep going. Yeah. So I listened to this as an audiobook, and it was narrated by James Fohey, who I went and I looked. He's a, a like a theater actor, and the other thing that was super funny is he actually played Cedric Diggory in Puffs the Musical, which is about Hufflepuffs. <laughs> is this on Broadway? <laughs> uh, it's off Broadway. <laughs> okay, it's like I've never. Heard but this. fun fact: there actually is a theater in New Hampshire that's doing it as part of their 2022 season. <laughs> That's but pretty funny. That, That's I was good. like, I love it. huh, interesting. Hmm. But it was a really interesting read. The other thing that I really liked about the audiobook, because I also looked at the text, I found a PDF of the text of the book, so I cross-referenced it for some of the quotes that I pulled. And something that I liked about the audiobook was they actually had little sections where it would be like, you know, this is what Don is saying, and then it would be like Joseph Egan saying... Talking like for example the thing with the blood suckers. Yeah. He's like, most likely, he passed out because obviously the blood suckers wouldn't just go away. No. Um. Or at the beginning when he has that sort of very vivid dream, he's like, this probably didn't happen, <laughs> but I have presented it in the way like it's very interesting because it sort of pops in and is like gives some fun fact. It also gives some fun facts about like the terrain that he's on and like what he's experiencing and things like that and I thought that was fascinating that isn't in the print version that is really cool I really like that so I think if you're going to read this book I it, and also it's not that it, it's even if you read it it's 112 pages it's not bad and it's only a two-hour audiobook it's a nice little jaunt yeah it it's sounds very... like an easy easy read for anybody that wants to check it out and it's an interesting story yeah and especially since I feel like there aren't a lot of survival stories that I can find in Maine there's a lot of times, like, Acadia is one where people go missing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> not many survival stories from Acadia. No, no, not that I can find. 
But to wrap things up. Those bears are hungry. I'm about to turn the tables on you. Oh, no. I have a game for you today. I hate being on this side of the table. Yeah, I oh, have a game for you. Uh, play the game music. And I have a name for this game. Survive this game and I'll give you a medal. Ooh, a medal. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So can you earn a medal just like Don did? He got a medal at the end of it? Yeah. I th Were you not? Do you not listen to me when I tell the stories? I sometimes uh, go full ADHD brain and I'm like, I just spaced out yep. the whole sentence. He got the art. Yeah, he got the Army and Navy Legion of Valor's annual medal for Outstanding Youth Hero of 1939. Thank you very much for. And FDR that. gave it to him. <laughs> just, to, I was like, you were oddly quiet during that section. I was. Uh, I don't know where I was at for that moment. Where Sorry about that. My <laughs> mind. So. If you win this game, I will give you a medal. Okay. So. Is FDR going to come and present it to me? Yes. We're going to dig him up? Yeah. I'm a necromancer, didn't you know? <laughs> so. These are all movies and or pop culture. This classic story proves why kids shouldn't be in charge of things, especially on an island. Oh, Lord of the Flies. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah, Again. I thought you'd get that one. Classic, that's why it's, classic That's literature. why it's first. It's on everybody's like reading list in, in uh, elementary school. I read it in high school. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. Um, isn't there a movie adaptation? There are a couple. Okay. Yep. In the 2000s, the world was introduced to Best Boy Wilson in which survival flick? Oh, Castaway. Yes, thank Gotta you. Castaway. We uh, are castaways. That was my first like real Tom Hanks big boy movie, movie. Big boy movie, yeah. That was your. Did you not watch Toy Story? Well, I mean, like I watched <laughs> Toy Story, but first live action to Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks situation. Um, and I think it was sort of my first big boy movie in a lot of ways. My parents actually took me as a tod as a baby, swaddled baby, into Jurassic Park, the first one, because that was in 1993 that it was released. Oh my god, it was. Yeah. You were a swallow. I was a swallow baby. They brought swallow. me into Jurassic Park. Apparently, I was very quiet the whole time. Oh, my God. What 2010 film features two friends and a girlfriend breaking some rules to hit the slopes only to be stuck on a mountain over the long weekend? 2010. Mm hmm. Hitting the slopes. I do have a hint for this one, but let, let you go stuck through. Stuck over the long weekend. Mm hmm Can you, uh... Give you a hint? Yeah. We talked about maybe doing this movie for our December bonus episode, but determined it did not take place in Maine. Shit. Shit, what was it? Ah! You're gonna hate yourself. I'm gonna really hate myself. Just give it to me. What frozen. Fuck! <laughs> ah, it was frozen. <laughs> this Rocky 2010 film features a lost arm and a lot of claustrophobia. Okay. Lost arm. Another 2010. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lost arm, a lot of cross claustrophobia. Ooh, who loses? Oh, oh, James Franco. Yeah. Uh, 128 hours. 28 hours. 27. 27 hours. <laughs> I'll give it to I, you. I got it. <laughs> you get that one. You get it. I'm just marking which ones you got right. This 
2006 children's film is a remake of a 1983 Japanese survival film about a man and his dogs. Old boy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Old boy is Korean, number one. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's not right. Um, man and his dog, survival film. I have two hints for this one. Okay, give me one of them. It's Disney. Shit. No, what is it? Oh, give me the second hint. There are eight dogs. It's Cuba Gooding Jr. No, no, that's a different one that also has eight dogs. I know. What? Now it's it's thrown me off more. <laughs> I concede. Oh, eight below. I'm mad. I'm so mad. I'm so mad right now. <laughs> Did you ever watch that one? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know it was a remake of a Japanese movie. <laughs> I had no idea either. That's hilarious. Though. All right. Last one. <laughs> uh, uh, if you let's it. if you get this this next one right, I'll still give you your medal. Okay. okay. Because that would mean that you still got over 50% correct. This 2015 film about a man surviving in the wilderness after a fight after fighting a bear finally won Revenant. this. Op- yes, thank you. <laughs> I love the Revenant. So I took my grandma to see Revenant. Did you really? Yeah, she said it was a little too violent for her. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, so you got four out of six correct. Woo! Not a clean sweep, but Not you know what? Sweep. You survived. Passing grades. So. I have. You spilled water. I spilled my water. Ah. I'll get it in a minute because. Oh my god, you actually have a medal. Woo! She gave me a chocolate square. Yep, a golden Ghirardelli chocolate square. Mmm. I'm gonna have this right now. Go for it. <laughs> well, congratulations on not getting a clean sweep, but, mm. you know, I'm gonna go get a towel. <laughs> Now that we've survived another trivia game. I got a question for you. Oh, yeah. Um, Were you going to kill me if I didn't get any of that right? Because you said I, like, won my survival. No comment. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I saw that in the drawer you also pulled out of the metal was a very sharp knife. Yep. (laughs) No, I mostly have safety pins in that drawer. (laughs) I could just pin (laughs) you to death. Even (laughs) worse. I could pin you to death. Um, Since we survived... Do you have a manism for me? I do have a manism. Hey, hey, it's a manism. Hey, hey, it's a manism. Okay. Um, I've I've refrained from doing this one for a long time because I didn't want to just spring it on there. But I think that there's an important note to this manism. I'm talking about the proper main lobster roll. Not just a lobster roll. The proper main lobster roll. Which I know nothing about because I don't eat lobster. <laughs> that's true. You do not eat lobster. Mm-mm. So that's why I brought some information here. You did know. you bring us lobster roll? I wish I did, but uh, I didn't want to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so there's like two different types of lobster rolls. Mm-hmm. There's the main lobster roll and then there's apparently the Connecticut lobster roll. Connecticut oh. has their own version of the lobster roll. Okay. And I'm going to bring some hot opinions onto this. Okay. So the defining characteristics of a main lobster roll. You serve it cold. That's very important. Of a main? Huh? 
You said of Maine? Of Maine. Yeah. Served cold. Yeah. Mayonnaise, coated yep. with mayonnaise, lightly seasoned. Yes. The important characteristics of a Connecticut lobster roll is that it's served warm, is topped with butter, and is usually just seasoned with butter. It's a buttery roll. What? I, I, okay. It's very much into the butter. Yeah, so yeah. interesting, because I was like, I do, so yeah, I have only ever seen anyone ever eat a Maine lobster roll. Really? So when I've you go never, around here, you don't see people doing the I've butter, seeing it hot. Yeah. Never. That's never, very, ever, ever have I seen. Yeah, because when I've ordered lobster rolls out here, I've noticed that it's been cold every time. You know. Allegra's asking if we're recording. Yes. Finishing up. <laughs> Almost done. <laughs> Almost done. Yeah, because we're also going to we're going to a marketplace today. Going to Terra Marketplace. Yeah. We're gonna tear up Terra Marketplace. We are, and I'm gonna carry around Allegra's camera for her. <laughs> are you gonna do some photos? Yeah, because um, Allegra's um, mentor is has a table this year. Or ah, this year, this yes. yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, that'll be fun. Yes. Um, but yeah, so those are the differences. The main lobster roll, I know people up here seem to stick to the classic yeah because it seems to me that it like because the lobster roll is a full completed sandwich mm -hmm. seems to me that the connecticut lobster roll is just i happen to have a roll and i'm already eating lobster let me just so, throw that in there. yeah because you could just take a dinner roll and put the lobster in it yeah and then you're like oh i'm in a lobster roll like i'm I... not gonna spend twenty dollars to get a lobster in about, a dinner roll what about that butter the butter is good on lobster. Lobster's known for butter. Yeah, just eat a lobster and have a side of bread. I, I'm sorry. I think... Again, I, don't, I have no stake in this, but again, it's just sort of like, that would be like if you said a chicken salad sandwich was just chicken on a dinner roll with some butter. I'm a, I'm a decadent bitch. I'll just say that right away. And I'll let you know that I want to I create a conglomerate of flavors on this. I think okay. there's some merits to the Connecticut roll, and I think there's some merits to the Maine lobster roll. Mm -hmm. You know, serve it cold, serve it warm. I think cold's probably fine, but I'm gonna have a little butter in that roll. I'm gonna oh, yeah, put butter, some, the, butter, butter the roll. that roll. Yeah. Get some butter in that roll, and yeah, get that lobster seasoned. Fuck the mayonnaise. I don't care about that mayonnaise. Get it out of here. Don't, don't tell your it. wife that. Oh really? Yeah, no, she. My wife loves mayonnaise. I won't dude, say it to her face, dude, but I'm get the fairly, mayonnaise out I'm of here. fairly certain we've had a conversation. I've had a conversation with her where she's like, she would just eat mayonnaise out of the tub. Oh my god, really? I, I've never this seen was a her couple years ago. No, she said she would. She I don't know would? if she ever has. Okay. <laughs> that asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. But she has said like she loves mayonnaise so much she would eat it out of the tub. Okay, that is something that she would probably say. I've never seen it happen. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> what would you do if you caught her just sit, like, it's mid, like, let's say it's midnight, you wake up, you know, you haven't been asleep that long, but you hear something in the kitchen, and you go, and she's sitting there with the fridge open, just eating out of the bed. Just Winnie, Winnie the Poohing it? Yes. Just hand in the honey pot. Mm -hmm. Um... I reevaluate things definitely. <laughs> and, and Bings is just circling around hoping that someone will hoping fall Hoping a little him. bit of mayonnaise <laughs> will get down on his whiskers. Yes. I would be disturbed. That's definitely, <laughs> that's a certainty. 
probably just go back to bed and not think about it. Try to forget. That what was I just your saw. that was your hallucination. Yeah, that was my hallucination. This couldn't have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clearly dreaming. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think there's some some uh, good points on either end of the lobster roll debate, and I don't think we need to fight about. It. I mean, I think you're right. Like, I guess it is sort of just like. Like, people make their sandwiches differently, but it could be a, still be a sandwich. Yeah, you know? exactly. I'm sure there are people who, like, make a Reuben, but leave off something that it, the most people will be like, no, it can't be without this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever. What have you. What have so, you. So, yeah, eat it however you want to eat it. But, like, again, in my mind, it's a little weird that they're literally just all it. You throw on a lobster and throw some butter on it. It's because that's how you eat lobster. <laughs> I would not be surprised by the simplicity of the Connecticut lobster roll because, again, and also a point of contention, but they do claim to be the birthplace of hamburgers. And there's okay. a very old um, hamburger uh, like restaurant in New Haven, Connecticut, I think, that is supposed supposedly they claim to be like the first hamburger place, and they hmm. serve them traditional. Which is literally just meat on bun. Nothing else. I'm cool with that. Just the most like basic thing though. And the Connecticut lobster roll is super basic. Yeah, just ju- hot like, lobster meat, bun, butter. Yeah, because usually for me, what I like when I do it, I do uh, like a burger. Yeah. I, I like cheeseburgers better than hamburgers, but yeah. I don't put anything on it except yeah. for ketchup. But I've eaten them plain too. I think most people can't wrap their heads around a plain burger. I... I am very picky when it comes to food. I th- I've mentioned it before. I don't like stuff. Like, I like lettuce in a salad, but that's about it. Uh-huh. I don't like lettuce on anything else. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't like onions. I don't like... I don't, so I'm just the, plain. The, the accoutrements. I don't like mustard. About it. Yeah, I don't like mustard. Don't like mayonnaise. I think a lot of people don't I like, like mustard. I like cupy mayo. Yeah, that's tasty. But that's only good on fried chicken. I think it's great on I, everything. I'll only put it on fried chicken. <laughs> Again, if for me, it's like sometimes I'll be like, no, I don't like it on this, but I'll have it in this it's or like a, as this. It's like a spicy mayonnaise. I love it on like a sandwich. It's great. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But yeah, so I, interesting. I didn't realize that there was another way to have a lobster roll. And my other, because I do know McDonald's had a, a lobster roll that was the main lobster roll. They did? Yes. Oh, wow. Fun fact. So, when I worked at Main State Music Theater, um, I was the one of the only Mainer, like my second year. I was I worked there for three summers, and I generally was one of the only Mainers mm-hmm. working at Main State Music Theater because everyone else came from around the country. And so, the intern during my apprentice year, um, she... Had never had a lobster roll. She's from Texas. And she was like, I want to get a lobster roll. So we're like, cool. Okay, where do you want to go? She goes to McDonald's to have her first lobster roll when she's no! in Maine. <laughs> that's like that, that's like that uh, scene in The Office where uh, Michael's in New York and says, I want a real New York slice. And he walks into a Sbarro. <laughs> Fun fact. I just watched... Um, Watcher, I watched Watcher, 
which is the new, that's where um, Ryan and Shane from BuzzFeed Unsolved, that's their new thing. Yeah. And they did, um, with Rhett and Link from oh, sick. Good Mythical Morning, they did Best Pizza. Oh. And um, Rhett and Link chose Sabaro as the best pizza. Because they did a blind taste test. On one of their other episodes, and, and they Sabaro, came and said Sabaro is it? Yeah, because they were like, "This is the one." And it's like, "Well, it just happened to be because they, they do blind; they don't know what's what." And it was Sabaro. I don't believe that for a second. I've had Sabaro pizza; it's trash. When's the last time you had Sabaro pizza? Uh, I ask because we haven't had a Sabaro here in Maine since 2012. I was gonna say it's definitely over 10 years. Yeah, so maybe it's like Domino's and the pizza got better. Debatable. Domino's is just really garlicky, so if you like a garlicky pizza, like, nom 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 nom, go for yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Their garlic twists are great. Their garlic twists are solid, yeah. But, yeah, so, yep, um, so when McDonald's did, so I guess McDonald's is saying this is the real lobster roll. Mm. <laughs> that, well, what I'm saying is because they made it nationally available, and they're like, they said, this, this is... is they, they put is, their foot into the debate. And yeah, said, they're like, this is the lobster roll. So when people across the country went and got lobster rolls, they were getting a main lobster roll. Do you think people in Connecticut would just lose their shit? Probably. <laughs> they probably were like, yeah, go This go. isn't a lobster roll. Here's the thing, though. I hope that most Mainers and most people who live in states where there's an abundance of lobster rolls, that they're not going to mcdonald's to get their lobster rolls. dear god no please don't <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so many places i'm shocked that they have they would have had it in the first place and i'm glad they don't have it anymore yep <laughs> just fuck that well so yeah we did something a little different today i realized because i like it's the change not, of pace yeah because here's the thing this could, like as people who hike this could happen to us Oh yeah, literally. No. He disappeared within ten minutes. I've within a yeah. mile of the people that he was with. It's true, and like you go through statistics of national parks, and there is a lot out there that says like, yeah, people just get lost within like getting off the path a hundred feet, and they're just immediately oh, lost. Called? There's a documentary about all the people that go missing in national parks. Uh, there's a lot in Yosemite. It's called Missing 411. Ooh. Yep. Uh, a series of books and a film which documents the p cases of people who have gone missing in national parks. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's... It's big enough of a phenomenon. Like, and yeah, it could happen pretty much anywhere that you go. And Katahdin is in a national park. It's in Baxter National Park. Yeah, yeah. So, could really screw you guys. Don't be Which is interesting because it's like... It's government, like it's government maintained and protected land, mm -hmm. and so many people go missing. It's just so because they have to like not touch any of it. Mm -hmm. You know, ideally they don't have to do anything there. People and can be kind of, of dumb, is... especially when they go out to those national parks, though, because a lot of people just assume, oh, exactly what you said. It's government maintained. You know, there'd be some security there. No, it's wild, man. You go into a national park, you basically write a. A liar saying like you're you're responsible for your own actions. Don't be stupid. Yeah, but there. Yeah, I I know that there are a lot of cases of specifically. I know that there are a lot of 
children and young folks that if they're traveling with a group, literally, it's like you blink and they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in this instance, it ended up, it has a happy ending. It's good, and yeah. And I think it, it's also, I do think that it's also good to point out, like, if you are planning on doing this, you should, like, if you're planning on going up Mount Katahdin or any, you know, whatever, I think that you should prepare in some way. Definitely. I, I, I think that there are too many people who just don't prepare. Um, when I go camping, I overpack my rations. Yeah. Like, I have extra food in case something goes wrong and I have to stay for another two days or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, today's lesson yeah. is be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> which is the be Boy prepared. Scout. Which is the Boy Scout motto. I am not a Boy Scout at all. Never have been. Um, I just got super into hiking because uh, <laughs> I'm got, just super into hiking. I got into hiking because uh, I went to a Christian college that doesn't really let you drink on campus, so. I would go hiking with my friend and we would drink beer on the trail and that's how I got into hiking and then I got a lot of gear and got more into hiking and yeah. Drinking outside. I was going to say don't <laughs> don't drink while hiking. I don't think I don't you... I don't condone it. Jackson might, but I the official stance of homegrown horror is don't drink on the trail. <laughs> I don't think it's really legal, but also if you do, pick up your shit. I'm so tired of seeing cans out on the trail, man. So be prepared and clean up your shit. Yep. That, that's good lessons. Yeah. So thank you again for joining us. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hello, homies. My sources for today are Wikipedia and Lost on a Mountain in Maine by Joseph B. Egan and Don Fendler. Thanks again for listening.